എന്റെ പേര് റൂബിയ സേനതെ ഞാൻ മൂവാട്ടുവേലാണ് താമസിക്കുന്നത് ഇത് എന്റെ ഹസ്ബൻഡാണ് ഷുഹൈബ് കേറ്റി My name is Rubia Sainuddin. I live in Muwatpura. This is my husband Shuhaib Ketri. My father's name was C.H. Sainuddin. He passed away two years ago. After his death, his elder brother and son filed a civil suit in the Muwatpura court seeking my father's property worth Rs. 6 crore, citing the Muslim law of inheritance. Hi you're listening to On Manorabha's Explainer Podcast News Break a weekly show that breaks down news in a clutter-free manner This is your host Harita Benjamin and I'd like to welcome you all to our Women's Day special episode on the Muslim Inheritance Law So I'd like to start by bringing the attention of our audience to a special incident which occurred in Kerala today 28 years after their marriage Senior advocate C Shukur and Sheena Shukur the head of department of law at the Kannur University registered their marriage under the Special Marriage Act of 1954 while renewing vows is an increasingly common phenomenon in recent years what is uncommon is the reason for their decision the couple remarried to bypass the muslim law of inheritance and ensure that their three daughters get their full inheritance now for the uninformed the muslim inheritance law is an increasingly biased law towards the male child here are a few examples number 1 sons get double the shares of daughters when it comes to the inheritance law number 2 the only girl child is entitled to only 50% of her parents estate the rest will go to the relatives to protect her Number 3 predeceased daughter or son's families are denied inheritance rights according to the Muslim inheritance law the list just goes on so today i am joined by on manorama senior correspondent in north kerala george puigail uh, to delve into the shariat inheritance law and the right of muslim women to property welcome to the show george thank you So you've published an extensive piece on the Muslim inheritance law in On Manorama a couple of days ago. During your investigation you even spoke to C Shukur and his wife Sina Shukur and many others who have been feeling the pinch of discrimination when it comes to inheritance of ancestral property and assets, right? Yeah. So could you briefly let us know why the Shukurs decided to pursue this unusual course of action? So any muslim born in india they are governed by the muslim personal law application act introduced by the british in 1937 so this act governs the personal law of muslims born in india so the problem with this act or the people who have a problem with this act highlight the point that they cannot opt out of this act so if you have a muslim parents you're automatically uh, bound to follow the shariat uh, when it comes to personal law and uh, the law is of course discriminatory towards uh, women and daughters uh, the way uh, property when we are talking about inheritance law so uh, the property is divided when the property is divided the male tend to get a bigger share in the ancestral property or even the acquired property 
So Shukur found a way out. Shukur is not the Shukus are not the first person who used the secular special marriage act to circumvent or escape discriminatory law. Uh, in section 15 of this act allows them to register their marriage under this uh, special marriage act and uh, their inheritance law will be the secular indian uh, inheritance law in indian inheritance law all the heirs legal heirs mostly if the immediate uh, legal heirs like wife or the children irrespective of the gender will be equally entitled to the share uh, so that is why uh, Shukus registered uh, their marriage. So once you register under the Special Marriage Act, uh, you cease to be a Muslim for the purpose of inheritance. So only for the purpose of inheritance. So Shukus are not actually giving up their religion. They are just giving up their, their ceasing to be Muslims just for the sake of inheritance, like how their property will be divided after they are gone. They have three daughters. That is why they opted for this act. They have been using this special marriage act to uh, circumvent the personal law. But these are not publicly, uh, they don't come out in public because they have their own reasons. But Shukur, being a political activist, uh, he's, uh, as a, he's a worker of the CPM. He's a CPM leader. He was earlier with the Muslim League. And then he joined the CPM. So he's a political activist, a social activist. So he has the social capital to come out of, come out and declare his intentions and his plans. So that is why Shukur is doing this. And others are, who have done it are not coming out in public and declaring what they have done. Right. Uh, so Sheena Shukur has agreed to speak on Newsbreak. Uh, she has joined us. And she will briefly tell us about uh, what the ordeal has been about and why they came to this decision. Hi. Actually, the thought of uh, registering our marriage, which was held already in 1994, October 6th, is um, uh, not a uh, new thing. We thought of registering it under the Special Marriage Act 1954, under Section 15. The Section 15 of this Act says that when there is already an existing marriage by virtue of a custom, or a practice or a religious belief and in any manner that happened then you can register it under this special marriage act and the benefit of which will be that the inheritance laws will be applicable as per the indian succession act 1925 so this is the reason why we are getting uh, registered under Special Marriage Act. Why this is so important that to get the inheritance benefit under 1925 is where the relevance of this uh, registration comes in. In Muslim personal law, the inheritance law applicable to is actually as per the Quranic version or Quranic interpretations. But today what we are following in India is something uh, which is interpreted by some writers like 1906, Mullah or uh, other um, authors uh, which interpret the Quran into and they are the one who decides the uh, shares. Actually, this strict sense of shares as we are following is not uh, 
mentioned uh, in complete sense in the Quran. So the shares as uh, described or which is followed as of now is like there are uh, three kinds of uh, in uh, successors as per the Muslim law. One is the the first one, which is the Quranic hairs or sharers. The second is the residuaries, and the third is the distant kindred. So, class one or the Quranic hairs or the sharers includes twelve persons as per the uh, Shafi'i law, which is in practice in Kerala, or the Sunni class of law. So, these twelve people include father, mother, husband, wife. Uh, daughter, full sister, consanguine sister, uterine sister, and full brother, and grandmother. But it is not absolutely uh, inherited uh, from the deceased. The thing is, for every each and every one of these category, there are some rules which is associated with the class one hairs. For normally, these class one hairs will inherit in association with that part mentioned for the residuaries also. For example, daughter is a sharer and son is not a sharer or a Quranic heir. He is only a residuary. But there is a condition that if there is a daughter and a son, then the daughter will get half of what is eligible for the son. So that means son will get two shares and equivalent to which one share will be given to the daughter. And if there are only daughters, then the daughters, one do if it is one daughter only, then she will inherit half of the property of the deceased, either father or mother. And then the rest will go into the brothers of the deceased. If there are more than one girls, that will be shared among uh, with a two-third, two by three of the total property or total value of the deceased. That means again, if there are two girls, they will get only two by three of the whole property and one third will go into the brothers or the sisters. So this is the situation. Again, this is actually gross discrimination against the girl child. Also, uh, this will definitely take away the confidence of the children. The because the girls, while they are growing up, what happens is uh, they are into the community, the society, they have a peer group in the education institution. All the other uh, children who are belonging to other religion, they inherit the property uh, of their parents in total. Whereas these girls from Muslim families will not be able to inherit the property in total. Now, the Shukur's case is a case of how the property is split when all the offsprings are daughters, right? But what is the split of the property like in other scenarios? George, could you uh, just elaborate it for the benefit of our audience? Uh, yes, uh, I spoke to a person who have written a comprehensive book on Muslim uh, inheritance law. And uh, his name is uh, Abdul Ali Maulavi. He is from Kapad in Kodikot. Uh, so I'll be referring to his book while explaining this uh, share fractions. So if you have a son and a daughter who are the heir, the son will get double the share of the daughter. Or the daughter will get only half the, what the son is going to get if the son and the daughter are heirs. 
to an ancestral property. And uh, if husband dies, then, and uh, if a husband dies without a child, uh, his wife or widow will be getting only one fourth of the property. If the woman has a child, or husband has a child, she will get only one eighth of the property. But in the other way, if the uh, wife dies and they don't have any uh, children, the husband will get half the wife's property. And if they have children, uh, he will still get a quarter of his property. So it's uh, double. The husband is getting double of what uh, the wife would get. When a man or a woman dies and they have no father or son and their legal heirs are sisters and brothers, the brothers will be getting double of the sisters. Uh, again, the discrimination is there. When only the father and mother are heirs, father will get two shares and the mother will get only one share. And there are conditions where there are situations depending on the siblings. Like uh, if a son dies and uh, the father will get uh, two shares and the mother will get only one share. But if the person who died has siblings, the mother's share will come down further. So throughout, uh, there are like around 30 conditions, uh, 30 combinations in which the daughter or the women are all, all, always getting um, a reduced share. For example, if uh, there's only one daughter, uh, let's take the case of one son. If there is only one son, he will be inheriting the entire share of his parents. But if there is only one daughter, she will only inherit 50% of share. The rest of the 50 will go to her grandparents. And if there is no grandparents, the share will go to Brother, siblings. That means siblings. her yeah. yeah. So their uncle will be taking care of or, or taking over the half of the share. Now, why they take it, they are saying it is to protect the daughter. It's kind of, if you expand it further, like it's kind of some kind of protection money you're giving uh, to your uncles. But if it is uh, boys, then these uncles will not come into the picture. But in Shuku's case, they are getting two-thirds. The daughters are getting two-thirds because there are more than uh, one, one daughter. daughter. Right. Yes. Yeah. So if, if, if Shuku had only one daughter, she would be, uh, whatever, the, whatever they have earned, their savings, their assets, will, their daughter will get only half. But All right. Now Shukur has three daughters. That's why they are getting two thirds, and the one third will still go to Shukur's uh, brother. And uh, the catch here is like if the uh, share is going to say father, Shukur's uh, father is inheriting Shukur's uh, one third of the property or uh, half of the property, depending on the number of uh, daughters. Now, what will happen when Shukur's father dies? When Shukur's father dies. Uh, this asset of Shukur, which went to him, will not come back to his daughters. Because according to Muslim inheritance law, a deceased person do not have the right to inheritance. So if a son dies before the father, the son's family are deprived of any inheritance. So uh, when the grandfather dies, the property which went to him from Shukur will go to the living children of father, that is uh, Shuku's siblings. 
so by so, default the siblings will always inherit it right uh, like sooner yes, or later yes. sooner or later the sibling will, siblings will inherit and if the siblings are not there the sons will inherit right right so this is because it son, all goes by the assumption that uh, uh, men will protect the women uh, you know when uh, their husband or you know husband is deceased so that is yeah. the assumption which they go by am i right yes yes uh islamic law women should always be uh, protected so it doesn't sit well with the modern laws and ideals. Uh, yeah ideals yeah right so now uh, you spoke about how only 50% of the share will go to a single daughter and the rest will be taken hold of by uh, the father or you know the brother of the person who's deceased right so now we have the yes. case of uh, Rubia Sainuddin, uh, which you mentioned in your article, who is a 26-year-old single child and a resident of Muatvara in Ernakulam district. So she is a victim of the unfair uh, Shariat inheritance law. Now, uh, you know, according to your article, Rubia's uncle has filed a civil suit uh, in Muatvara court seeking a property worth rupees six crore from her, uh, which is supposed to be 50% of his brother's property. Now, we have a bite from uh, Rubia, uh, you know, where she uh, goes on to tell uh, about the turmoil which she has been through after her father's death. Uh, we listen to that first and then come back to George. <laughs> My father owed around rupees 2 crore to HDFC bank, so I was trying to sell his property to settle the debt. But they stopped me and said they had a claim over the property. When my father passed away, my uncle and cousin did not console my mother or me. They were just keen to know the details of our properties. I did not understand why they were doing it then. They kept taxing me with questions about ownership and transfer of assets. I was not in an emotional state to answer them. All right. So now that we've heard about uh, Rubia's situation, George, do you have any comments to uh, offer on this? Uh, what do you think about this situation? I have seen the petition which uh, Rubia's uncle has filed in the court. Uh, it says that these parties, that Rubia <coughs> and her mother, the assets left by her father, Sainuddin, the parties are governed by Mohammedan law. And by default, he has 50% stake uh, to the property. But uh, the interesting thing I noticed while I was reading this uh, petition was that he has claimed rights uh, to the property in which there is no liability. So they have assets, they have properties, but there are properties which are bought with bank loans. So he's not claiming uh, properties which has liabilities. He right. wants just the assets. So right. I was checking with some uh, experts in this field and and they said that according to Mahmudan law, when these shares are inherited, these uncles, they will inherit the, they're legally bound to inherit the assets, but not the liabilities. So whatever the liabilities Sainuddin has, has to be cleared by the daughter. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah. the assets will go, uh, you know, uh, clean assets will go to the uncle. I think so, uh, Rubia was also trying to sell the property to clear the dues, uh, which 
her father had incurred right uh, there was around 2 crore uh, she mentions that there was around 2 crore of debt outstanding yes yes yeah. yes and i think her husband uh, has uh, pledged the her his house to raise some money to pay up the liabilities right um, okay and uh, she was actually livid uh, uh, the whole point about this is she was not aware of this law and uh, not many actually the people who are well read or informed they take recourse like how uh, shukurs are doing now but a lot of people are not aware of uh, this law recently when I, after i wrote my story my wife's uh, uh, student uh, she lost her father uh, to covid and after reading our report uh, the student was telling that she was not even aware that her property her father's property would not not come to her uh, i mean not the entire property will not come to her so even a university student she is a university student and she was not aware that such a law exists right. so only so when it just uh, brings upon you when you know the time is worst right right yeah All right. So uh, now that said, uh, in your article, you also mentioned about a Korikode-based couple, right? Their names have been changed, but let's call them Mubira and Ashmal, like how you did in the article. So the way Mubira was cornered in the name of law by her brother-in-law after her husband's death is just infuriating. Uh, so you just you just feel like tearing something when you you know listen to uh, the things that the these women go through. Now, could you briefly tell our audience about their story and how male consent is an important part of Muslim inheritance law? Like, if you do anything, you need to get consent uh, from the male counterparts. Yes, uh, Mubira's case is uh, classic. First thing, uh, she was like she also was not. completely aware of uh, this law where the uncles and father-in-laws will take over the business so in mubira's case mubira is a doctor and uh, she had a love marriage she fell in love with uh, ashmal and they are both from a village uh, ashmal was then doing uh, his mba he uh, he dropped out of the mba to start businesses so they got married when once they got married they left their village and moved to korikot city and uh, a year after uh, their marriage ashmal started his uh, business he started a supermarket he started a, a restaurant uh, with help from his friends and borrowing money from the bank now why i'm saying this is uh, whatever ashmal made was made after uh, they got married until then Uh, Ashmal was supported in a way by Mubira. So after their marriage, they were pretty well off and settled, and they had uh, two children: one son, uh, who is eleven years old now, and a daughter, two years younger. Uh, I think she is around uh, six. I think so. When uh, Ashmal was uh, diagnosed with colon cancer. uh he died in uh, like 6 months after he was detected with cancer so nobody was prepared for his death and no and even in nashmal's case he was so optimistic that he would come make a comeback there was no option they never thought of uh, you know transferring the property to uh, mubira all those things which people from the outside may say that why couldn't ashmal transfer the property to mubira before dying and all because there was no time they were not nobody expects 
to die they were full of life absolutely you and know, then, when they were surviving so well and you know against all yes. odds uh, it, it just brings unexpectedly upon you yeah yes and uh, now what happened is after asmal died the business is divided not like legally but divided according to the muslim inheritance law and uh, mubira as a widow with children she gets she's entitled to only 1/8 uh, of uh, ashmal's uh, estate the son who is now 11 years old he gets around 36% and daughter who is 7 years old she will she's entitled to only half of the son that is around 18% but uh, ashmal's father and mother they are both uh, entitled to equal share on 1/6 together they will be controlling 33% of the business now even though uh, ashmal's uh, children and wife have a stake in the business they are not allowed to run the business and because uh, ashmal's father is uh, aged his son living son who came in from dubai runs the show and every month according to this division this scheme of division they are uh, the wife the widow and the children are given a share of money the money is transferred to their account now what is infuriating to mubira is mubira is raising her son and daughter as equal citizens they both have equal uh, expenses their living standards are same they are treated equally but yet uh, the son's share is double that of his daughter so what mubira told me is she her daughter is not getting any discount in the school just because she is a female child right right uh, yes or even the bus fare the bus concession whatever the expenses she cannot claim any discount in her expenses so how can they decide that my daughter is uh, entitled to only um, half the share of my of uh, the son. Is, but uh, unlike rubia like she is a fiery woman even uh, uh, mubira is pretty independent fiercely independent but uh, their contexts are different uh, rubia is going all out and taking on to, her uncle legally to legally fight the but, battle out right yes yes but in mubira circumstances are pretty different so she can only rely on negotiation because uh, their uh, in-laws are pretty strong and uh, Uh, th- the law is on their side so in rubia's case she is fighting a case but it, it need not be always in her favor the final verdict because as of the things stand today uh, the law is like what their uncles are claiming is written it's is the precedent the, it will go to them mubira is using the local leaders politicians to press her case you know to get a favorable split division of the property so that uh, she she's not deprived of what uh, what uh, uh, deprived of ashmal's property right so that kind of brings us to the next question the legal aspect of it so let's look at how these challenges have played out legally in the past now we all know the shabanu case you know the ruling was in favor in initially and then the whole uh, thing was you know was just raised down with another law by the rajiv gandhi government so like could you list out some instances where courts have washed their hands off when it comes to muslim inheritance like because as you said precedence is what most courts go by 
so is there any scope of you know uh, muslim women uh, getting their rightful property uh, in your future could you just examine that scope for us so as long as this uh, muslim personal law is in place or is not uh, changed by the parliament the courts cannot go against it last february 2022 the supreme court barred a widow and her daughter from inheriting the ancestral property um, of her husband because the husband died uh, before his father so according to muslim inheritance law a son uh, has no inheritance right if he dies before uh, his father so what is cruel about this uh, entire episode is uh, the widow and her daughter has been fighting have been fighting this case for 45 years like they started this torturous uh, journey litigation in 1977 in a village called kolar in karnataka right and so, then there was no justice finally yes yeah. there is no justice and uh, she, the court said that as long as the personal law is in place and she is not entitled to entitled to her husband's father's property so uh, actually the lower court the kolar court has ruled given a portion to the widow's daughter nur jahan and uh, it was overruled by the high court so it's not that the lower court did not make an attempt to do some sort of justice but the higher court the high court has ruled that according to muslim personal law the um, dead son's uh, wife and daughter have no right to ancestral property and the uh, supreme court upheld it so again and the partition was done as per the scheme of things which i listed earlier that the widow got uh, the grandfather's the nur jahan's grandfather's widow got one eighth and the two sons uh, got double that of the three daughters no uh, daughter who are alive all right uh, but uh, nur jahan and uh, her mother uh, they didn't get anything because uh, husband died uh, earlier predeceased uh, his father all right so uh, now that we spoke about uh, a certain case uh, in karnataka we all know about how educationalist uh, mary roy went on to fight a case against her brother and get a part of the travancore succession act repealed right so is this kind of a scenario really possible when it comes to muslim inheritance law as well what is the scope here uh yes uh, the tendency to draw parallel between the case going on now and mary roy's case is uh, pretty high uh, in fact mubera told uh, me that if they have challenged this uh, muslim personal uh, muslim law of inheritance in supreme court after their petition was dismissed in, in kerala high court so if they get a favorable verdict from the supreme court which will give them equal rights to property women mubira told me that uh, one of the petitioner vp zohara she is a gender activist in kori court she is a petitioner and uh, mubira told me that if they get a favorable verdict vp zohara would be the mary roy for muslim community high hopes from the supreme court of getting a favorable verdict but what the high court in kerala told but this petition was dismissed by the kerala high court 
saying that it is not their uh, job to uh, settle this uh, petition. They asked the parliament to come up with a competent piece of legislation. So in that case, when they are asked the government to act on it, the government's response in the high court is also uh, revealing. The union government in their affidavit said that uh, they will not interfere in the personal law of minority communities unless the necessary initiatives come from a considerable a cross-section of uh, the communities themselves. And as of now, there is no such demand. Uh, so what activist uh, Zuhara told me was that whenever the government prepares its affidavit, it's, it speaks to the religious leaders. And the religious leaders will find no discrimination in Islamic laws. And uh, this reply is taken to be the opinion of and the community's opinion and files an affidavit in court. So uh, they are pressuring the state government not to give in to the uh, views of religious leaders while preparing the affidavit. Of course, uh, organizations such as All India Muslim Personal Board, uh, Personal Law Board, and uh, political parties like Indian Union Muslim League and uh, Sunni organizations, even uh, the progressive organization called KNM, they have all opposed uh, giving equal rights to women, sons and daughters. Yeah, women right. when it comes to inheriting property. Right. So I think uh, that also brings us uh, to the question of uniform civil code, right? So uh, these are exactly the kind of uh, laws which the uniform civil code, uh, you know, is trying to, you know, lay under the ground. So do you think that if a UCC is implemented here, it will override such laws? What is your opinion? And what could be the dangers of it being implemented? You know, we should also discuss that aspect. Uh, yes. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, when Advocate Shukur, uh, he announced uh, on Facebook that he's uh, going to register his marriage under the Special Marriage Act, the BJP leader in from Kasargot, he's now the BJP's uh, state secretary, K. Srikant, has put out a tweet saying that, see, my friend has, is registering uh, under the uh, Special Marriage Act to circumvent the personal uh, Muslim personal law. And this is a fit case for uniform civil court. And he goes on to appreciate like why, how UCC will be, the uniform civil court will be solving the issues here. Uh, but it's interesting, uh, one important point uh, we have to understand here is like Uniform Civil Code is a very, very broad uh, uh, stroke, which will bring a lot of uh, personal laws under or overrule a lot of personal laws in India, pretty diverse country like India. And uh, it may not actually be a feasible option. Uh, it's, it is uh, important to understand what the law commission the previous uh, the 20 the last uh, law commission the 21st law commission in its report uh, submitted to the government said that the uh, uniform civil code is neither necessary nor desirable at this stage actually the uh, the law commission draws a distinction between differences and discrimination uh, he says that uniform civil code is not the answer but the 
discrimination in personal law, family law should be addressed. So uh, they have suggest suggested some amendments to uh, family laws uh, in tackling you know, discrimination in, in the inequalities in personal law, rather than you know, completely submerging every personal law. Thanks a lot, George, for joining us on uh, this Women's Day special episode. I think we've had a very intensive uh, discussion on uh, the Muslim inheritance law. And uh, here's wishing a happy Women's Day to all the wonderful women out there uh, on Manorama's Newsbreak and Explainer podcast, which is produced by Harita Benjamin, that is me, uh, is produced every Thursday. And uh, we have technical production by Idea Brew Studios. It is available on all podcast platforms. So do follow on manorama.com for detailed updates on the latest news and more such explainers. So be sure to be back next week for more on Newsbreak. Thank you. Thank you.